As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, a look at the Tar Heels' upcoming game against the Miami Hurricanes as the Tar Heels turn the page on the first half of the season. A disappointing one, to say the least, and look towards the back half of the schedule where uh, they need to steady themselves a little bit, and they'll hope to do so against the Miami Hurricanes. We'll tell you about that. Uh, we'll hand out you know keys to the game. We'll go in-depth, taking a look at them, uh, at, uh, at the uh, Hurricanes as the opponent, and give you our official predictions, and also tell you a couple other key things about the game on Saturday in the closing notes, as well as a couple of, uh, or one other recruiting tidbit that you'll definitely want to stick around for, um, but... Uh, normally we do top storylines here. There's really not anything injury-wise about this game. That's usually where I go into some of the injury stuff or some of the personnel moves. There doesn't really seem to be much going on there. Um, I know Mac Brown was asked a question today as to whether or not uh, there were moments where he was thinking about wholesale changes um, during the game in terms of personnel that were out on the field. Uh, I don't think that's what's going to end up happening from what he said. I don't think that we're going to see a bunch of the freshmen come in and play significant roles the rest of the way and see uh, the senior guys push to the background. But I do think there is a chance that we will start seeing more of those guys as the season goes along. Um, and I, I do think you know they are probably going to try some other stuff, probably at wide receiver. I mean, he talked again today about the fact that they have not been able to create separation. Um, pretty much seemed like he was very candid uh, about what uh, he has said to the receivers in the receivers room and what Lonnie Galloway has probably been saying to them as well uh, where he basically said that look if you want to continue to play if you want to get the ball thrown your way then you need to create separation and he needs to catch the football um, which basically tells me that there have probably been guys in that room that have said we haven't gotten the ball enough and Mac Brown's response has been we'll play better and he's not wrong. Better than blaming the media. So, I mean, he's he's 100% right on that. The guys haven't created separation all year. Um, and they don't deserve to have the football thrown their way with the way that they've played so far this season. I would live and die with throwing to Josh Downs myself as well because none of the other guys are usually open. So, uh, he, he was very candid about that. And he did say that he's had... That, that talks are coming with the guys uh, during the bye week really to try to figure out their status for the rest of the season and for next year. Basically, what they did before the season, sit down and talk to them um, you know, about 
what their role is on this team and if that's a role that they're comfortable with or if they want to look elsewhere and potentially transfer at the end of the season. Basically, we'll, it'll be a thing where they will start to get the wheels turning on getting these guys into the transfer portal in this bye week. They will help some of those guys that are looking to get out, get out, and move on to their next destination and try to figure out what they need to hit hard on the recruiting trail uh, over the final couple of months uh, of that recruiting cycle before they get to the early signing period and where they potentially may need to look in some of the future recruiting classes or the transfer portal. But they do have a game that they're preparing for against the Miami Hurricanes, this one in Keenan Stadium, the third straight game in Keenan Stadium for the Tar Heels. Uh, This is a a stretch where we were hoping Carolina would be able to take advantage of it. The loss to Florida State last week uh, did not help that by any stretch of the imagination, Uh, but Carolina needs to get this one against the Hurricanes. This is the 23rd meeting between the two teams all time. It is even in the series at 11 wins aside so far. The last meeting, of course, last year's huge win for Carolina in uh, Miami Gardens 62-26. to Carolina dominated just about every aspect of that game and Carolina has won the last two meetings and is looking for the first three game win streak in this series since 2009. They did beat them three consecutive times, 07, 08, and 09. Um, they have had a couple of other two game win streaks in there but basically that's what's been exchanged back and forth between these two teams over the last couple of years are two-game win streaks before the other one eventually snaps it and goes on a mini streak of their own. So Carolina will hope to be able to get the job done. Of course, last year, uh, Carolina dominated this team. Um, They ran for 554 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. Wouldn't expect a repeat performance of that. Um, and they did hold the Hurricanes to 314 yards of offense. That was with De'Ara King at the time. This game, De'Ara King uh, will not play in, but we'll tell you that here uh, in just a second. Um, but, you know, first, you get to know the opponent this year. You look at the 2021 numbers for them. Offensively, not bad. 30.4 points per game, 438.4 total yards per game. Uh, They're throwing the football pretty well, 277.2 yards per game and 161.2 rushing yards on the ground. Uh, On the defensive side of the ball, the numbers, all right, uh, but not where they need to be, not where you they were probably hoping that they would be with Manny Diaz taking over as the defensive play caller. 27 points per game, 385.6 total yards per game, 250 passing yards per game through the air, so that's definitely worth noting. Only 135.4 rushing yards per game this season, though, for uh, Miami, and that is with having played a guy that is in the Heisman race in Kenneth Walker and Michigan State earlier this season. As I mentioned, De'Ara King out for the season with a shoulder injury. That was announced on Monday of this week. Um, And then a report that came out today that was very interesting. Manny Navarro, who is the Canes beat writer for The Athletic, he did report that a few older guys... um, are expected to depart in the weeks ahead. They've apparently had the conversations uh, during their bye week this past week. Manny Diaz basically said they set guys down and they basically found out whether they were in or they were out. And so this is something that you could see going forward. Going to be very interesting to see what the effort level is from Miami on the side because, uh, and I don't know about from your perspective, it seems like these are two teams that right now are in I guess relatively similar spots in turn, especially in terms of this season. I think as a program, Miami is in a, a worse state than Carolina because I don't think that Carolina is on the doorstep of firing Mac Brown. I think that Miami is on the doorstep of firing Manny Diaz for sure. Um, but these are two teams that came in preseason ranked top 16. I know was Miami in the top 15 to start no, they the year. Were 16. They were 16. Top 16 teams. Two teams that most people thought were going to rule the Coastal this year, and so far this season, they've been disappointments. Yeah, this was a game that um, we looked at the schedule. We thought the winner of this game won the Coastal and would represent uh, the Coastal in the ACC championship game. When we mm-hmm. pre- when we predicted the season, I had Carolina initially losing this game on their way to that 9-3 and three season with Miami representing um, the Coastal Division. A team that also beat Alabama. Yeah. That, that, that also didn't happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, oh. the, the, it was funny that 
Manny Diaz sat guys down to see if they were in and out. Um, I wonder if he sat himself down with the administration at Miami because he's most likely not going to be there next season. Um, yep. And that's the big difference. Their disappointment, Carolina's a disappointment, but Mac Brown we know is going to be back in 2022 barring something unforeseen. The same cannot be said for Manny Diaz, um, and rightfully so. He's underwhelmed since he's taken the job. Uh, Miami is a shell of itself of what it used to be, what it should be, and what it uh, what it ought to be um, in college football with all that talent down there in Florida. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you. What's the buy-in factor? Do they care? Um, the thing for them is, is that, believe it or not, at 2-3, and three, they're just 0-1 in the ACC. Yep. So there's still a lot for them to play for, whereas Carolina, this will be Carolina's sixth ACC game already. They're sitting at two and three. They're sitting at two and three. It's going to be very hard to fathom a scenario where Carolina is in Charlotte. If Miami takes care it's, of it's, it's, it's. I'm going to tell you, it's not happening. Nope. It's impossible. Thank it's, you for saying it's, that. It's not. There's no way because you would have to have Virginia Tech lose four games. You would have to have Georgia Tech lose four games. Pittsburgh lose four games. Or, or no, Pittsburgh t- could lose three, but you have to win that game. You're talking about a scenario where Carolina runs the table. And that ain't I don't happening. think that this is a team that's going to run the table. In conference. Okay, so, so they could lose to Notre Dame. They could lose to Wake Forest. I And, of course, Wofford. But if they lose that game, then, geez, even if they still were to somehow make the ACC championship game, they should physically remove the team. Um, but... I, I don't – it's not – this is not a team that's built to win this ACC conference this year. I know that the ACC is crazy. Uh, the amount of things that would have to go right for this team to win the ACC this season – or win the ACC Coastal this season um, is just it's, – it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and so, you know, Miami, they've still got a lot to play for, especially if they know some older guys are moving on. That means some younger guys are going to have a chance to prove themselves. Look at the backup quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, who has seen action already ready this season due to the injuries of De'Eric King. 475 passing yards, roughly four touchdowns, no interceptions. They've got guys that can and most likely will cause problems for Carolina's defense because Carolina defensively just isn't very good. Well, they, they also, I mean, look, they're just like Florida State. To say that they don't have talent on their roster is just, that's not true. To say that the talent hasn't been developed right, now that's true. Miami's always going to have talent. They recruit in the biggest hotbed in the country, arguably, in the state of Florida. And they recruit in southern Florida, too. That That's a place where, even with all their struggles, you very rarely go into their backyard and steal recruits out of there. Maybe Alabama does it, maybe Clemson, maybe Georgia at times. But they do a really good job of keeping their guys in place. And as you mentioned, I mean, look, they've got some pieces here. I mean, first of all, Cameron Harris, their running back. Now, he's not having the season that he probably imagined. 65 carries, 383 yards, five touchdowns. He's not quite as dominant as he was probably hoping he would be. Um, but, I mean, he's still a legitimate running back in the backfield. That probably shouldn't concern Carolina fans all that much, though, because running backs haven't really been what's killed Carolina. The good news is is that Tyler Van Dyke, even though he's looked solid, um, you know, I, I, I think he had some moments in that game against Virginia where you could tell he was a little bit overwhelmed uh, against a team that had a veteran quarterback. Um, I, I, I think... He definitely showed that he was a redshirt freshman out there. But this is still a guy that has talent. He's thrown for 473 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. The good thing for Carolina is he's not a mobile quarterback. So that <laughs> I, I that's one blessing in disguise uh, that Carolina has going forward. They won't face a running quarterback in this game. Uh, I don't believe – I haven't watched a ton of Notre Dame this year. But I don't think – is Buckner a mobile quarterback? Because I know Cone's not a mobile quarterback, and I know Drew Pine's not a mobile quarterback. I uh, couldn't tell you. So they may not have to face one there. And then they, Sam Hartman, not a mobile quarterback either. So this is the stretch where Carolina doesn't have to face those guys. This is where their defense needs to show that they can take steps. Um, and, and against a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, who will probably be a little bit in over his head in this game – 
this is, you know, an opportunity for Carolina to maybe tee off just a little bit. Uh, they, he does have a couple of pretty solid receivers. Charleston Rambo playing pretty well so far this year. 31 receptions, 386 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, he was a guy that was originally at Oklahoma, transferred to Miami. Definitely a talented guy that Carolina's got to find a way to take away. Mike Harley, 22 catches, 193 yards, and two touchdowns. Not mind-blowing statistics, but he's a guy that they rely on. They go to him pretty often. Um, 8.8 yards per catch is not going to blow anybody away, but it shows that he is a reliable guy that they will go to when they need first down. So Carolina's got to find a way to be able to shut him down. Mac Brown said this is the most talented defensive front that the Toriels will face this season. I don't think that's the truth, just looking at what we've seen from them. I'm going to be honest, their, their statistics are not showing that. I mean, look, statistics aren't everything, but at the same time, I mean, look, they've got some guys, Nesta, Jade, Silvera, who is their defensive tackle in the middle. That's a name you should remember from last year. That's concerning because, look, the middle of the offensive line for Carolina has been the biggest issue with this offensive line all year. Um, it's looked better the last couple of weeks. I think Kieran Johnson is maybe starting to get a little more healthy. Um, I, I, I think that's definitely helped Carolina that he's in there and really taken over that starting role um, and is becoming more comfortable with that. But they don't really have this dynamic. Remember last year, they had Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche who were just tearing it up. I mean, coming into that game. Now, they didn't really do much in that game. Carolina's offensive line was tremendous in that game. Don't think that's what we're going to see from this unit by any stretch of the imagination on Saturday. I'd like to be proven wrong, but I'm not going in with any sort of expectations like that. But they don't really have that guy. I mean, the guy that leads them in sack is Jafari Harvey. Um, two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss this season, seven total tackles. But other than that, there's not really a guy that you look at and think is all that intimidating. So this should be a group that Carolina should be able to handle and have a little bit of success against. But as we know, that hasn't really been the case for most of the season. Uh, the secondary, they do have some talented guys back there that Carolina has to keep an eye on. You've got Bubba Bolden, of course, the safety that was there. He was a USC transfer a couple of years ago. He's still there, 29 total tackles, two tackles for loss, and a pass deflection for him. Tyreek Stevenson, the corner on the outside, he transferred in from Georgia. Really talented kid, 22 total tackles this season, three pass deflections, so he's a guy that Carolina, uh, they, they've got to find a way to create separation. It's going to be pretty tough against this guy. And then uh, to Corey Couch is the other corner on the other side, 24 total tackles so far this season, a tackle, uh, a tackle and a half for loss, and three pass deflections. So there is talent here with this team, um, but this is a team that so far this season, especially in out-of-conference play, they were dominated, and let's be honest, this is a team that should be 1-4 because they should have lost that game to App State. They did everything to lose that game to App State, but App State didn't pull it out in the end. So this is a team that has not played well at all this season. They're very similar to Carolina in that they've disappointed. But yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, you wonder what is the desperation factor? What is the motivation for some of the younger guys? Are there guys that are willing to step up? And the main thing is, is can Carolina match that? Because I think the most, the, the scariest thing that you saw the other day against Florida State was not the fact that Carolina even got beat. It wasn't the fact that um, you know you 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 saw you know some struggles from the defensive line or specific units. The problem was you saw a team that looked unprepared and shell shocked at home. That's that has not been a problem before under Mac Brown. At home they've had a lot of success. The road has been where they've had those issues. Now you have to worry, is this something that's going to carry over going forward, and can they avoid that in this game against Miami? Yeah, um, I think that's something that uh, you hope was drilled in all week during practice, and they're being prepared because Miami is going to show up with some emotion and some fight and some want to. Just the nature of this has developed into a rivalry with them being in the ACC and on our side. The the, the statistic you showed or you gave us earlier where it's even proves that where mm -hmm. uh, Miami hasn't never dominated Carolina for a long period of time and we've never dominated Miami for a long period of time. And with both teams got a lot to prove in this game. Not for this year. This year's a wash. But the future starts now for both these programs, especially for Carolina. We talked about that when we 
got done yelling about the Florida State loss on, uh, on, on earlier this week. But the same thing is for Miami, where their future is starting now with the Eric King hurt. You know older guys are going to hit the portal. Mm-hmm. So do these younger guys, are they, are they, are they prepared to play? Are they ready to play? And then when you get into the battle and the emotion and stuff kicks in, who's going to give in? Because that's what it all comes down to. And what's been the, what was most disappointing last week was Carolina gave in at home to an inferior opponent. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And they've got to avoid doing that in this game as well because, I mean, you, you can compare the talent here. I, I do think that Carolina on paper is the better team right now than Miami with all that Miami's lost, with the fact that you're you're hearing that older guys are, are, are going to be entering the transfer portal, meaning they probably won't be playing a lot of snaps. And it'll be very noticeable early on in the game. Who are those guys that are have played a lot early in the season and are not playing in this game. We'll we'll take a look at some of the other keys to the game. We'll give you the official predictions, and we'll also talk about some of the other things that are going on around Tar Heel football and specifically around this game in the closing notes. But first, we have to uh, let you hear from our sponsor, DraftKings, and a great offer that they have for the upcoming week of the NFL season. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Blog podcast after this message from DraftKings. Hey guys, Anthony here, and another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Guys, the last time there was a 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I would say that this opportunity is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings still won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, throw $1 down on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. PN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so we welcome you back in here, and we're going to roll through. Keys to the game. And I think, first of all, this this is something we didn't get to talk about it the other day because we were like an hour and ten minutes deep. We were you, you were uh, pushing we, we were pushing a uh, a scheduling issue with uh, our, our other job over at WFNZ in Charlotte. You had a Hornets pregame that you had to get to, so we had to wrap it up kind of quick. One of the things that we've heard a lot over the last few days, we've seen it from even some of the parents of players, has been that communication on the defensive side of the football is one of the big reasons why the defense is failing. And it's also very obvious when Jay Bateman comes out and says that you had 11 missed assignments and 14 missed tackles in this game. That was it. That's that's what he said. I'm going to be honest with you. I think like I, I mean, I don't know if he was blowing those possibly even out of proportion. I I don't it doesn't matter to me. Your scheme still wasn't good. I don't care what you what you said. You said in the press conference that you felt that you guys had the right scheme in place. No, you didn't. No, clearly you didn't. It has you have not had the right scheme in place for how many mobile quarterbacks. Don't tell me that you've had the right scheme in place and then give up 121 rushing yards to a dude that kicked your rear end the year before. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not believing that. But I do believe that there are communication issues. Mainly, the one that stuck out to me was the touchdown in the, I want to say it was, the, yes, it was the third quarter. Happened right in front of us where we sit, where Ontario Wilson wide open on the left side of the field, yeah. right in the end. I mean, that's very clearly miscommunication. Trey Morrison turns around, shaking his head, asking questions. Now, look, Trey Morrison's one of the guys that I think has to be talked about here because why is there a communication issue on this defense? I don't think there are that many leaders on this defense. I don't. There are not many of, leaders on this team. Outside of Jeremiah Gimmel. On the defense, I don't really see any leaders. Outside on offense, I mean, Sam Howell and 
maybe Josh Downs. I, I I don't see these leaders that need to be there for Carolina. And I think on the defensive side of the football, in this game, some of those voices have to come alive. And the main thing is you've got to be able to communicate better because these types of lapses in these games and conference games going forward, this is the easiest conference opponent that you play the rest of the year. And it's frankly not even close. So you've you've got to be able to solve some of those issues starting with this game. Communication starts at the top, and that starts with coaching. You've got to coach communication and address communication. That starts in practice. If you watch all the film sessions, which that's what they do nowadays, or you watch all the all your practice sessions, you should be able to see those lapses where communication didn't happen. In the game, are we going to be able to hear these guys communicate? We're not because of where we sit. And It's it's evident on the plays, though. That play that we well, just talked about, it's evident that there was a miscommunication. Somebody was not where they needed to be. Because you can't leave a, a half of the field wide open with a dude just standing there. That's clearly guys are not talking, guys are not knowing where they're supposed to be. And also, so like if there's like an alignment issue, right, whenever they are – communicating, there's going to be hand gestures and there's going to be pointing and you need to be here and all that kind of stuff. And who is the person that we see doing all of that on the defense? It's Jeremiah Gimmel and it's nobody else. I don't see anybody else directing traffic out there, which is concerning to me. You need, you've got to have a safety that's directing guys where to go. You've got to have different guys pointing stuff out. I'm only seeing Jeremiah Gimmel, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are other guys that are out there communicating. But it, it, the fact that you are hearing from the staff that there needs to be better communication is what tells me that the guy, there are not leaders that are stepping up right now, and there need to be guys. And also, if, if you feel as a staff there's a that big of a void in communication, okay, there are 10 TV timeouts during the ballgame. There are times where your defense is on the sidelines. Go figure out the issues with that communication and try to address it. Don't wait till after the game and then sit up there on Monday well, I mean, and say, look, it's, our communication was bad. Well, Fix the, it in the game. That's clearly, your job. Clearly they probably tried, but you had guys that were simply just all over the place. I mean, but pretty much I, I believe most people think that um, and some of the posts that I've seen, you have guys that you have yeah, one half of the team is running one defensive play, one the other half is running a completely different play, and they're just completely they're, they're so maybe so off off base. Maybe they need to simplify the scheme. Well, according to Mac Brown, Jay Bateman's scheme can't get much simpler. And I've heard that as well. I've heard that in the past that his his system is very simple to learn. It's not something that guys it's based his system and we've heard this because of the guys he's recruited too. His system is very athletic based. So that's a great so, way to tell your team lacks football IQ if you've got a basic scheme and we can't figure it out. Basically. I mean, that's I, really you're you're basically saying <laughs> that guys are struggling to pick something up. I mean, he said in today's press conference there was one missed assignment the other day that was something that you that that should never happen. It was a ba- it was something that was as basic as it gets with football. He wasn't going to say the name of the player that it happened to because so, he knew that something would be said to that player. So here's the but here's my problem. If that happens. That play happens, and you know in that moment that shouldn't happen, and you leave him on the field. Well, I don't know if that player was left. I mean, that's you're, the thing. He's you're not just gonna, as fault as the player. He's not going to say who the player is. I don't know if that was a player that was taken off. You'd have to go back and look through all the snap counts. You'd probably have to watch. It was Greg Ross's the, ghost. You'd probably have to watch the All-22 and just figure out. You'd have to just guess which player it is because unless you know his scheme by heart, you're not going to know what play they're running and who was out of position. So, I mean, it's tough. And look, I commend Mac Brown for that. Don't put the player's name out there because, yes, there will be people that will actually go and tweet at this young player and tell them, we don't want you on the team anymore, you're an idiot, whatever. Where Meanwhile, there are plenty of things that we do in our everyday do- day jobs that are simple that we mess up from time to time, and people are like, how do you mess that up? Um, I mean, you you mess up every time you're on this podcast. So, wow. uh, I mean, l- let's be honest wow. here. Because, of course, I saw that look basically saying that I never mess up because I'm the best. 
and that's just not true. I've got to keep you down to a, a You a may be level. wrong. By, I doubt it. By the way, since the Georgia Tech game, you are extremely feisty. Greg Ross hasn't done anything, and you're coming after him. I, mean, I was just trying to lighten the mood, thought that would make you laugh. <laughs> I, not, I, come on. Look, here's the thing. I Greg Ross was definitely a guy that I thought was way in over his head at Carolina. I thought that he was definitely more fit to be at a smaller school and play a smaller role. Uh, I'm not going to take shots at him at this point. He's gone. Let's take a shot at Larry. Um, Let's just take a shot at Larry. uh, Look, I do not take shots at guys on this podcast. We can't shoot our shots at women. We might as well do it to former Tar Heels that were below average. That's kind of creepy. That's kind of creepy. Okay. We don't take shot. We don't don't shoot our shots with those guys. Now, we may hit up former Tar Heels to see if they want to be on the podcast, but that's different. That's different. Nah. Um, But, yeah, no, I – look – I don't take shots at people on this pod. This is a professional podcast, except you, Vic Koning. Still, still mad at you, man. Still, t- we're gonna move on. We're I gonna take, move on. I take shots. Uh, shoot or shoot. Next, by the way, we only got through one key there. Uh, next, the next key, number two key, you got to get some help for for Sam and and Josh Downs on the offensive side of the ball. This, there is nobody else on the offensive side of the ball that has been consistent for one. And, I mean, especially at wide receiver, you've got to be able to create separation. You can complain all you want about not getting the targets. Emory Simmons was targeted seven times the other day and caught one pass. Now, look, some of those throws were not great from Sam. He did not have his most efficient night. But at the same time, there were throws that he should have been able to make plays on. And Mac Brown also brought up another good point. How many 50-50 balls this season has Carolina actually won? Uh, is there one that even comes to mind? There's, uh, If there is, it's like there was one in the Georgia State game that I remember from Emory Simmons. It's not often. You've got to be a, if you can't create separation, then you've got to be able to win the 50-50 balls. You had one last week against Florida State, and what ended up happening? It was an interception. Those are the plays that if you can't create separation, you've got to make. But there's got to be somebody else at the skill positions that helps the, that, that helps Sam and Josh out, or else this team's not going to be able to have success in this game either. It's really hard to have faith that other guys are going to step up on the offensive end that aren't named Sam Howell and Josh Jones. I mean, I think if you can create some more in the running game, I think DJ Jones showed you the other day he can be a quality back in your offense because he just runs really hard. Look, I'm not going to be that hard on the running backs. I think the offensive line this year has That's done a terrible job. In create front holes for them to run. No, it, no, no. You're right. No, I'm just I, saying because people are probably at home saying, well, what about Ty Chandler? What about DJ Jones who have shown flashes? They need. They definitely need help. It's not all their fault that they're not producing. You can't run very far when your offensive line's getting blocked into you. It's I mean, just yeah. you got you got one of your you one of your guards or tackles in your lap you, every you time you can't you're do that. Yep. For me, if you're looking for that guy to step up, I think you've got to highlight more of Kamari Morales in this offense because he's got he's got the hands. You, he's proven that if you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I can't say the same for Simmons. Can't say the same for Choffrey Brown. You can't say the same for Walston. Throw the ball, highlight him in this. Now, I think the problem's going to be is that when you put him on the field, they're going to realize, okay, well, he's in – He's on the field because they're going to utilize him in the passing I game. I mean, he can block, too. He can block. So that's they can't but, eliminate that. You know, they'll they'll start picking up on those streets right. and types of things. The, Carolina's offense is going to go as far as Sam Howell and Josh Downs are going to take him. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess. Then it's that's a boomer bust offense. It's not going to be that far then because you've, you've got to have other guys step up because as the season goes along, there will eventually be teams that will almost completely take Josh Downs away. It's going to be tough. But there will be a team that will find a way to slow him down. I mean, right now, I mean, you would look at that team. I mean, Wake Forest is – I mean, if they know that game plan going in, that game could be rough. Notre Dame could be brutal because they have the athletes to cover him in space. We'll leave that game saying Notre Dame. So, that was terrible. That, I mean, (laughs) right there. I mean, that was worse than Greg Ross. (laughs) I I mean, but, uh, I I mean, honestly, like, 
I, they, they've got to do something. I, Morales, I mean, look, I would love him to be more involved in the offense because I, I think he's shown any time that he's had the ball thrown his way, he can get the job done. I just think, I mean, you saw it in the game against Georgia Tech. He had a breakout game. They utilized him pretty well. Since then, they haven't really utilized him, and he's done nothing for them to not go to him. I, this, to me, yeah. just seems like an offense where a tight end is never going to succeed all that much in it. It's not built for tight ends to succeed. Now, to me, that's something that, especially this season, you would like to see some adjustment from Jay Bateman. Oh, Jay Bateman. From uh, <laughs> you'd love to see some adjustments from him for once. Maybe the um, maybe they've switched roles. One's coaching the offense, other's coaching the defense. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that I, I. I mean, I think Phil Longo would be able to make better on-field adjustments at times than Jay Bateman. But. Uh, with Phil, I mean, you'd want to see him maybe try to get a little more creative with that, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I'm not. That's another thing. I'm not putting a lot of faith into it. I'd love to see it because Morales deserves it. He is playing as well as he can with what he's seen come his way, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Uh, the last key that I have is put the first half behind you. I mean, look, we've taken jabs on a lot of different guys here. Uh, on on this podcast, especially over the last couple of weeks, since the Georgia so. Tech game and Florida State game, and they do deserve. I mean, they deserve a, a lot of criticism because they haven't played well. I don't care that look. Were expectations probably blown out of proportion from just about everybody, if not everybody in the country? Yes, but guess what? That doesn't justify the fact that they played as bad as they have. People need to be held accountable. That's fine. Now you've got to put that first half of the season behind you. I mean, it's just probably one that you would think you'd see against Notre Dame, considering that you are going into a bye week this week. But look, you're 3-3 three and three right now. You're through the first half of your season. You're facing an extremely tough schedule down the stretch. You've got to be able to put all of what happened in that first half of the season out of your mind and really just imagine that, look, we're 0-0, guys. It's a shortened season like last year. Take that sort of mindset where it's like, look, we've got to just do the finish the best that we can. If we can rip off a 5-1, and 6-0 and finish by some miracle, then let's do it. But you've got you, – clearly there are lessons that can be learned from the first half of the season. But in terms of the mental state – Try to clear your mind of what happened in that first half and say, look, even if I didn't have a great first half of the season, I can still turn it around and have a great second half of the season because I'm going to tell you, right now, if you look at the guys on this roster, if they choose to come back, how many guys on this roster are guaranteed starting roles next year Uh, in the 22? Maybe like five or six? I hope not many. Maybe like five or six. So a lot of guys are going to be battling for their playing time next season and their opportunity to start. That needs to light a fire under these guys going down the stretch of the season. And also, I mean, like Mac Brown said, it's you know for for the younger guys, you want to try to get these seniors to another bowl game and get them you know to a point where they 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 can have fond memories instead of being back in the same mindset that they were in the Larry Fedora era at the end, where they won three in two games in a season. So I, I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to find a way to mentally try to push that stuff aside. There are lessons that can be learned, but you need to get yourself back in a good mental state and and put yourself in a spot where you can try to win some of these games down the stretch. Yeah, every ridiculous football cliche that exists applies to this team to finish out the season. It's about going 1-0. 1-0 each week, baby. Getting, getting incrementally better day by day. Trust in the process. It's not about the opponent. It's about us. Yeah. That Mac Brown used that one to th- this morning. Right. So and, and 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 trust that if you do the things that they ask you to do, yep, and you give a hundred percent because one hundred and ten percent doesn't exist. Because um, if it did, I would have achieved it. Hey, there's a song about that, dude. I'm pretty sure it exists. Um, then the results will be there because the talent we believe is there. So you, as hard as it's going to be to flush the first six games of the season, that's what you got to do. And that's what should be asked of them. And look at this six-game stretch where as difficult as it is, a bowl game's a possibility. 
And you could kind of play the role you played in year one under Mac Brown, where you're playing the spoiler, where you could knock a team or two out of the ACC coastal race if you can find a way to beat them. You've got or two, you've got two rivalry games to end the season: Wake Forest, not an ACC game, and of course NC State to finish out the season. You've got chances to still make this season finish on a high note. It's still going to be a disappointment nationally and collectively as Tar Heel fans, but if you do the little things right, you can set yourself up for a bounce-back season in 2022. Well, let's see if they uh, end up going ahead and doing that. Let's start with our official predictions for this game first. Uh, you know, look, this is a team that Carolina's had a pretty good amount of success uh, against over the last couple of seasons and even back to the Larry Fedora era. That was a team that he had a lot of success against as well. Um, this team is in a much worse state than Carolina in terms of the direction of their program. So don't get that wrong. I mean, these are two teams that are disappointing this season, but this it's a whole different level down there at Miami. They are not recruiting the way that Carolina is. There is not the hope for the future that there is at Carolina. So I, I I think that that could play a factor in this game. They don't have De'Ara King. That's going to hurt. De'Ara King was a special player. Um, you know, for him, you just hate to see it because there. I mean, he he was a really good quarterback. He's a dude that um, you know each year seemed like he put himself in position to have a lot of success, but injuries have really just killed his time at Miami. And, I mean, look, Carolina had a lot of success against them last year. They did a good job of taking him away. Um, but in this game, I mean, look, you're, you're going to have a redshirt freshman in there and Tyler Van Dyke, um, a guy who just, I, I believe he got his first career start against Virginia. I mean, he played well, but that was in front of a home crowd. This is going to be on the road for the first time, so we'll see how he handles that. Um, and, and I really think that, uh, you know, with everything that's going on, when you have guys that you're saying are veteran guys that are currently on the team and you're literally just going to not play them just so that they can get ready to enter the transfer portal, that shows you that your program's in a really, really bad state. So I think Carolina in this game should be able to come in and should win this game. I think there's going to be a little bit of extra motivation considering that they, uh, they, they didn't play anywhere near the way that they wanted to play in what was quoted as a revenge game uh, against Florida State. So I think that uh, Carolina definitely gets themselves a win at home. Um, I don't think it'll be the easiest win, but I think Carolina gets it done. I have them winning 31-17. to 17. I thought about going extreme chotch and picking Carolina to win 3-2. to two. Well, you're still an extreme chotch, but go ahead. Um, I think Carolina's going to win. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but right now it's not about being pretty. It's about finding ways to win, and if you can do it in an ugly fashion, really that's all that matters. Um, I don't think Carolina's going to have a great day offensively just because what we saw last week I think is what this offense might be moving forward because there's more of a game plan to take away Josh Downs, even though he did have a, a touchdown. And if Carolina can't run the football, it's going to be really hard for them to throw the football considering the fact that they only have one legitimate wide receiver. I do like – I've seen a little bit of Tyler Van Dyke. I saw him against that game against Virginia. He's not going to be afraid of the moment. Um, if, if there is a hostile crowd in Keenan Stadium, they've got dudes around them. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Carolina's going to win this one 24-23 to try to get back on the right track. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you covered with that over on the website. I'll tell you about that a little bit more here in just a second. But let's get to our closing notes for today. Harris Barton, uh, he is going to be honored on Saturday in Keenan Stadium. Of course, he is the former Tariel offensive lineman uh, who had a ton of success in his time in Chapel Hill. And Can now still play offensive line? Yeah, we, we could potentially see if he can either play or coach offensive line. That would definitely be great. Um, but he is going to be honored on Saturday. He, of course, is going into the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, was a, a, a guy that was on the Super Bowl teams for the San Francisco 49ers back in the 80s, had a ton of success as well. So Carolina is going to honor him on Saturday, and that's going to be uh, really awesome to have a Hall of Famer in the building for uh, this game. Uh, this is also probably the biggest recruiting weekend of the season for Carolina. Carolina, especially to this point, but it feels like this might be the biggest one, uh, go, e even with some of the games that are still coming up. Um, a ton of commits expected to be in Keenan. Remember, a lot of in-state guys, a lot of guys from Virginia, primarily that 757 area, so a lot of those guys are going to be making the trip. Um, Carolina will have a you know a couple of really talented guys in the 
2024 class uh, that are going to be on campus as well. Jack Larson, the in-state tight end, four-star uh, tight end from Charlotte Catholic High School. And they're even bringing up Desmond Ricks, who is a uh, uh, basically a – I mean, he's going to probably end up being a five-star. He's listed as a four-star right now, but he's also listed as the number two player in the country uh, in the 2024 class out of IMG Academy. So uh, this is going to be a significant weekend for some of those younger guys. And then, of course, there are a few other guests that Carolina will be hosting, and one of them that has been leaked is current Alabama commit Jake Pope will be in attendance for this game. Of course, Carolina was recruiting him extremely hard during the summer. But he ended up committing to Alabama. Carolina trying to do what they did with Drake May back uh, in last uh, in the last class uh, when they flipped him from Alabama. So that'll be interesting to see whether or not Carolina can make an impact on him. Uh, and then, then another bit of recruiting news, Carolina today landed in 2023 four-star defensive tackle Keith Sampson Jr.'s uh, top 10. Uh, he's a guy that is an in-state recruit. Uh, him along with Jamal Jarrett, that's another guy that Carolina is recruiting on the defensive line in this class. Two, two names to keep an eye on going forward in that 23 class on the defensive line. Jarrett, uh, he has been a frequent visitor to Carolina so far early on in the season, so they definitely have a strong connection with him. Uh, Samson Jr. has also been to Carolina a couple of times, uh, and he's a guy that Carolina has uh, been in contact with for uh, a while now, so we'll see as to whether or not uh, Carolina can uh, maybe wrangle one or both of those guys as we go throughout uh, the next few months here. So, that wraps up for this edition of the podcast, make sure you guys head over to the website, look at the pre- check out uh, the preview article for this game. It'll be up there. We're going to go in depth as we always do: team breakdowns, team stack comparisons, injury report, keys to the game. Uh, projected starting lineups, all that stuff will be on there for you guys to check out to get prepared for this game against the Hurricanes. Uh, of course, it will be uh, in Keenan Stadium. Uh, did we find out what TV network is going to be on? Uh, ESPN says ACC Network. ACC Network. So that was one of the options. So, yeah, it'll be on ACC Network if you are not going to be there. Of course, you can also check out uh, some friends of the podcast. Jones Angel uh, will be on the call uh, as well as Lee Pace uh, for the game in Keenan Stadium. I believe Brian Simmons will be there as well. Um, we would love to have Brian on, but unfortunately we haven't been able to establish any contact with Brian like we have with the other two guys. So uh, maybe potentially down the line we can also include him in the friends of the podcast uh, portion of that. But make sure you check those guys out on the radio if you're going to radio the game on the Tar Heels Sports Network. Um, you know, As for us, when it comes to the recaps of the games, we're going to do it the way we've, we've been doing it. Recap, uh, trench report, stock report, all that stuff. Uh, and I did end up putting pushing the midseason grades back. I feel like it's just going to fit in perfect with the bye week. It is a week later than the actual midseason point. But other than that, I don't really know how much we're going to have. Of course, we are are going to have Zach Rice. That's going to be a huge storyline during that next week. So we'll have you covered on that. But outside of that, it'll be pretty silent probably on the Tar Heel front. So we'll end up pushing those midseason grades back for you. We'll go in depth. Every position uh, or every uh, position group, we will go ahead, look at those position groups, give you a grade for those, um, and, and, and sort of break down the season that has been for each of those groups uh, thus far. Uh, and then we'll circle around and finish out the season for you guys. Carolina with five tough games to finish the season. Uh, we're actually four tough games in Wofford, but you still want to you, you got to take every opponent seriously for sure, especially with the way that this team has been playing so far out of the gate. So uh, We'll have you covered though all the way through uh, the end of football season and then of course into the offseason. Basketball side of things, things are uh, coming up extremely quickly, believe it or not, under a month until the start of the season. 27 days. Late night with Hubert, late night in HD, in in HD, Hubie's House of Fun. I don't know what the hell they're calling it. I like that. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, we got uh, beat at what 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 was his. <sighs> It was Brian the, McLaughlin. Brian McLaughlin is going to be hosting it. It's going to be a different experience, guys, uh, and we're excited. We're going to be there. Uh, we will have a recap pod after the game. Are you going to write an article about that, like maybe early part of the next week? And I got paid in a while. So. I don't know what to tell you. Nobody has ever been paid on this <laughs> podcast. But um, So I don't know what content's coming up on the website. 
I would turn to this guy to tell you he'd have pee pride. Um, him not planning to recap late night um, unless something major comes out of that. But we will be getting you ready for basketball season starting next week on, on both the blog and the podcast format. So there you go. Lots of stuff to look forward to. An extremely vague comment from my co-host. Hey, you got to keep them. I've learned a lot in radio. Now, I've taught a lot, too. But you got to tease your audience. So I just want them to make sure to go to the website to see what type of basketball content I will be delivering. I'm like the okay. mailman. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you here, you're in shocking news, you're not actually reading the entire article on the show. So giving the headlines of what's coming up, not going to give it away. That but, might be a new but, segment, like when Bill Walton reads a book on a TV broadcast. We may just read our articles I'm gonna be honest, on the pod. If they lose to Miami, I may literally just come on here and read a book. I will, I will. If, if they lose to Miami, I will come on here and read a chapter out of football in a forest from Lee Pace. That's an hour. I'll take you an hour. <laughs> Instead of doing this podcast. But let's hope that we don't get to that point because I really don't want to have to read, read? the – I don't want to have to read the book on here. I don't mind reading, but I don't want to have to read the book on here. I want to talk about this Tario football team. But, um, yeah, make sure you guys check all that stuff out, all the great articles, everything like that. Podcast side of things, both podcasts – everywhere where you can find podcasts if you're a listener to it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all those great spots. Um, you can also check out the Facebook page. That's got all the stuff that you're going to want to check out. All those articles that we talked about, even though Josh leaves it extremely vague, hmm. there'll be some basketball articles on there. Uh, podcasts, all the audio podcasts, the video podcasts that you're watching, if you're watching with us right now, always going to be here on Facebook, so make sure that you guys are checking all of that stuff out. And you got to like and follow the page. When you hit that like, it's going to automatically follow it for you. So you want to do that so that all of this stuff shows up on your timeline and all of the notifications of when we're premiering a video, when we're um, mainly when we're premiering a video, or when we're going live. That was the other thing I was looking for there. When we do any of those, uh, it'll tell you right there that those are happening. Twitter, at Blog on Twitter for the main page, at HTV Anthony for my page, at HTV Josh for his page, and at HackZubber2 on Twitter. Our guy Zach Hubbard has been uh, he has been he's been putting out some quality tweets lately. Yeah. He had disappeared for a little bit on there, but he has come back with a vengeance because his Tario football team is not making him happy either. But he is also a recruiting guy. So with the Zach Rice stuff, he's gonna have great stuff about that as well on his Twitter, but he's also gonna be on the podcast. So you guys definitely want to listen to all that great stuff coming up. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Wanna thank Josh with me one thing you guys for watching and listening and as always go Tarius